podcast is brought to you by Bob Anderson, the co-author of a new book entitled Mastering Leadership. Please listen to podcast number 724, where Bob and Greg speak about what is required of a leader today to thrive in our current business environment. In Greg's interview with Bob, they speak about an extraordinary framework that Bob created called the Leadership Circle Profile and how this assessment is changing the way leaders see themselves. A self-assessment comes with the book. The book integrates the best theory, research, and practice into the first universal model of leadership. It radically shifts the understanding of extraordinary leadership and how a champion is developed. Please listen to podcast number 724 with author Bob Anderson, the founder of the Leadership Circle. For more information about the book and their services, please visit www.theleadershipcircle.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Matthew, as I do every time I come on these shows, I thank the people that come from around the world and keep signing up to listen to these interviews and words of wisdom from our authors. And today joining us from Newport Beach is Matthew Ferry. And Matthew is the author of a new book called Quiet Mind, Epic Life, Escape the Status Quo and Experience Enlightenment and Prosperity Now. Matthew, good day to you. How are you doing? I am doing well. And I want to thank your listeners for signing up too. It's such a pleasure to be able to connect with people all over the world. Well, it is. And in our day of uh, great technological advancement, we're able to do all kinds of really cool stuff. And I've known Matthew and his wife for some time, Um, just kind of reflecting before we got on the show. But for my listeners, um, Matthew has been doing this work of helping people quiet their minds for many, many, many years. And I'm going to let our listeners in on a little bit about you. He's, uh, his promise is simple, quiet mind so that you can create an epic life. It's filled with enlightened prosperity. He's got a really down-to-earth approach and empowers you to rise above the unwanted chatter and negative negativity of the mind. And he says, when your mind is quiet, you feel profound peace and your life becomes extraordinary. Uh, no ashram required, he says. So for the last 25 years, uh, Matthew's been coaching thousands of top performers to achieve enlightened prosperity. His books, audios, seminars utilize his secret tested methodology called the Rapid Enlightenment Process, which we're going to talk about today, and a guaranteed system to achieve a quiet mind. Uh, if you want to learn more about this book, I'm going to direct you to go to Matthew, M A T T H E W, Ferry, F E R R Y, all put together, dot com. There you're going to actually see a free book offer as well. Uh, You can get his book just by paying for the shipping. He also has live events and other programs. He's got a great blog up there. It's got a lot of resources, just tons of resources. So Matthew's been at this a while, and I just recommend that you guys go out there and check it out and get his resources because if you follow his process, he promises you a quiet mind. So Matthew, in the introduction of the book, you state that you'll help my listeners achieve what you call quiet mind epic life. You also state that they can become more fearless and have greater confidence. Um, How do people shut down this incessive monkey mind 
and attain what you're referring to as this quiet mind and in turn, as a result, an epic life? Well, it's a good question. You know, uh, over the years, Greg, I'm like you, I've gone after everything possible to experience that, that incredible peace that I wanted and the success and effectiveness in life. And I, and I thought that those two things were connected and that once I achieved the success, the money, the stature, the family, the cars, the, you know, you name it, right? Once, once I have all the stuff, then of course, I'm going to be experiencing that peace and that joy. And it turns out to be uh, bogus and that it doesn't actually occur. And my, my efforts were switched from success to, well, what did I think success would mean? And I thought that success would mean happiness and peace. And guess what? It doesn't. And over the years, I have been coaching and helping my clients do similar things, get to that successful state, hoping that they would achieve the peace and the happiness and the great life that they thought that that was going to provide. And it didn't work for them either. And that shifted my focus. And I began to look, how, how do you actually get the, how do you accomplish the objective that we think that the worldly success will give us? And I did everything under the sun to to have that happen. And what I finally landed on was a four-step process that I call the rapid enlightenment process. Mm -hmm. And what this does is it gets your mind to quiet down so you can stop being so worried and stressed out so you can focus and take action on what matters to you while being completely at peace with your life exactly the way that it is. And essentially, to answer your question exactly – you remove the mind's motivation for negative thinking. And when you do that, you discover that your natural state is curiosity and wonder and joy and peace and fun and inspiration. You also find out that you're perfect just the way you are. Uh, you don't need all that stuff <laughs> so to make you perfect. Uh, your soul is calling you. You know, and all of us, Matthew, have teachers and I don't think there's anybody out there that's gone down a path of enlightenment that hasn't had some teacher or some practice. You speak about the insights that you had about meditation, uh, what and what that it's not just the panacea for quieting the mind. And you had three personal teachers that you mentioned many times in the book: uh, Stephen Sadler, Dr. David Hawking, which I've been to many of his events out in the desert, and Lane Lowry. What did you learn from your teachers that's made such a great impact on your life, especially these three gentlemen? Well, I am the, I'm uh, um, part of a multi-generation personal development family. So my father was, um, was mentored personally by a man named Earl Nightingale. And Earl Nightingale uh, was one of the founders of the personal development industry. And then my father was my mentor. And my father... Uh, literally exposed me to as many mentors as, as he possibly could. And uh, I took to it. And over the years, so let's call it since uh, 1989, I started formally studying. And from that point on, I mean, I have studied close to 160, maybe more mentors. But these three particular gentlemen had the, the most impact on me in terms of my quiet mind. And Stephen Sadlier was one of those men who 
in his presence, you went into this incredible state of peace. He was a, a Shatkipat, or still is, a Shatkipat meditation teacher. And, and I learned so much from him. In fact, the first time that my mind ever went completely quiet, I was with Stephen Sadler in Tibet, and we were meditating for 17 days. But it was Dr. Hawkins that actually changed the trajectory of my life in a way that I, I can't even explain. And that's because Dr. Hawkins fit with a, with a model that I was very familiar with. Uh, Greg, I've always been a business guy, and I've always been uh, in sales and marketing and uh, an entrepreneur and putting together companies and new, you know, new ideas, new, generating new ways to help the world. And numbers always made sense to me. And Dr. Hawkins, in his book, Power Versus Force, came out with a process whereby you could measure where your consciousness was. And if you can measure it, you can improve it. And that was something that I was really excited by. And over the last 20 years, I've been working on um, perfecting not only the system that he, that he created, but then building on it and developing my own system in the process. And then Lane Lowry was uh, essentially a, a, a student of Dr. Hawkins as well. Uh, but Lane was just one of those um, extremely nerdy, like me, super nerdy uh, uh, medical intuitives that got into Dr. Hawkins' work. And together, between the two of us, our collaboration created some extraordinary breakthroughs in in how to raise consciousness quickly. And by consciousness, what I mean is very simple. Consciousness is really two things when you're measuring it. It's how much you're aware of, and it is the ability to accept what you're aware of. So the more you're aware of and the more you can accept what you're aware of, the more peace, the more joy, the more happiness you feel. The less you're aware of, the more you're surprised by things. The less you're aware of, the more the world uh, conflicts or contradicts with what you believe. And the less you can accept, the more frustrated, annoyed, and agitated you are. So it was right. utilizing that framework that, I've, that, that I have developed the uh, rapid enlightenment process. And these, these three men are, are men who I was standing on their shoulders collaborating with. Well, I think Dr. Hawkins, uh, one of the first books I ever read of his was Power Versus Force and, and the vibrational levels of people in their consciousness. And it's obviously Ken Wilber, many people that I've studied over the ages, um, use similar ways to kind of look at people and where they are. You can take people in society today, even our great leaders, that people can talk about whether they're great or they're not great, and you can put them at this level of vibratory consciousness. Now, you speak about a few self-help myth, myths. Uh, tell our listeners what they are and why are they myths, and talk about, if you would, the three phases of exposure, understand, and change, and how we get stuck in the prison of personal development. Great, great question. It really comes down to this my friend, personal development is a business. And in order to make sales, 
each of us in the personal development business has to define a problem and then define the effect of that problem, create some sort of underlying cause, and then create a solution to that problem. And really what we're doing in the personal development industry is we are taking psychological, emotional, mental, spiritual problems and solutions that, that have worked for us, things that, have, that, have developed, that we've developed in our own lives, and we're, we're shaping the conversations to make them more persuasive. And while that is incredibly important, if you want to be in the personal development industry and, and make enough money to continue to give the gift of whatever it is that you are, are bringing to the world, you know, whether you're Ken Wilber or if you were Wayne Dyer or Deepak Chopra or if you're Matthew Ferry or Greg, right? We, each of us has to figure out how do we communicate? How do we communicate the gift that we can bring to people using our techniques? And in the process of doing that, some myths have started to develop, and these myths ultimately get busted when you utilize the framework of the rapid enlightenment process and the predecessor of that, Dr. Hawkins' work in Power Versus Force. The, the first myth is that you can rewire your brain and eliminate negative thoughts and replace them with positive thoughts. Now, I, you and I, right, we're like, what? I spent my whole life trying to rewire my brain and and i know with certainty greg because you are you are someone who is uh you would be a target audience for my kind of work because my kind of work the rapid alignment process is not for the newbie it's for the person who's been around the block and they've gone through the process and they have achieved pretty amazing things, extraordinary things, and yet they still have these um, incredible doubts and fears and, and moments of uncertainty that they can't explain. And that's because we have been using the mind to solve the problem of the mind. It is a myth that you can rewire your brain to eliminate the negative thoughts. The negative thoughts are hardwired into you. The mind is a negative thought generating machine. That's its job. And it turns out that the way out is to remove the mind's motivation to think thoughts at all. When you do, it's mind blowing, but go ahead. Well, I was going to say that you're absolutely correct with the uh, rapid enlightenment process, and that is the process, is that you you have to kind of go above the mind, right? There is a state of enlightenment that you're uh, talking to our listeners about, and it might be tough for them to get their hands around, but I will tell them the book is simple. It's not complex. Uh, the practices that you can start, you can start today. Um, he isn't asking you to rewire the mind. He's asking you to get out of the mind. So you state that the enlightenment provides you with a context and you say to enjoy unbelievable freedom, creativity, power, and influence over, over your life. And that living enlightened mind state is unbelievably practical. Okay. So what happens to our being when we attain this enlightened state of consciousness is the first part of the question. 
And the second part of the question for you is, what would you say to those people that say you're full of crap? Okay, great. Well, uh, first of all, I, I love when people say that I am full of crap, and I can't wait to answer that. So uh, the first thing is that a quiet mind is a peaceful mind, and it's not burdened by negative chatter or unwanted interruptions. And that's unbelievably practical because a quiet mind is a platform for creating an epic life because when you are at peace and you're not burdened by unwanted chatter and unwanted interruptions, you can focus on the things that you want. You see things clearly. You stop resisting other people and the circumstances of life. You stop believing and adhering to illogical rules and standards that ultimately make you feel like you're less than, like you're not there yet. With a quiet mind, you're finally free from the irrational fears that cause self-sabotage. And this is incredibly practical, incredibly practical. Now, for that person who is, is pushing back, I don't know what they would be pushing back on, but you and I can fantasize a little bit. Maybe they're pushing back on that. I a, think they're – I let me reframe me. that. Yeah. They're pushing back because they've tried the personal growth stuff and it didn't work and they're f fearful that this is one more thing oh, and yes. so maybe you I'm, I'm sure you didn't misunderstand my question i just reframed it for you and they're saying well geez this is the new flavor of the month you know right. i'm going to try another flavor and maybe this one's not going to work either so they've actually kind of as you said they've resolved themselves to just give up in the beginning of my book, I make an unbelievably bold promise. And that bold promise is that at the completion of this book, if you will spend the time to implement the four steps of the rapid alignment process, you will never have to do another personal development seminar, read another personal development book again. And that is in, that's that is like the possibility of being an exaggerated sales guy or being heard like that is very high. And yet that is the actual effect. And I think probably the difference between me and most of the, uh, most of the thought leaders that are out there in the world today is that I've personally coached more than 8,000 people from Wall Street to real estate I've, I've worked with people in Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Deutsche Bank, Prudential, many of the hedge funds. I've worked with CEOs, portfolio managers, global executives. I've spent time in uh, with entrepreneurs who were building their business from scratch. And I, I'm literally on the phone. Like As soon as we're done with this interview, I'm going to get on the phone for six straight hours working with people all over the world on our bi-weekly coaching calls that we're doing together. And what that's provided for me is a, a practicality because I'm on the hook. I'm on the hook, Greg. There's no, there's no hiding. They're paying me the money. There's a result that I've promised. And over the years, what I've discovered is once you've implemented these four stages and your mind goes quiet, you're in a state of whole, complete, and perfect. Meaning, you know 
that who you are is perfect exactly as you are, and when that is the case, what else is there to learn? Now, it doesn't mean that you'll stop learning because the people who would be tuned into your podcast, these are people like you and I. We just want to learn. We want to grow. We want to keep moving. But what you'll find is you stop the project called Fixing Me, and you start the project called Altering My Environment and Making It More Comfortable and Enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So you move from your inner your inner state is in a state of pristine peace and flow, which then makes you say, oh, okay, well, now, I mean, if I'm already there, why not play around with the outer world? What is the new thing that I'd like to learn? Yeah, you, well, that's what you talk about. Uh, in, and I want to ask a question before the, the question. Um, you know, the Chinese have a philosophy that, you know, your purpose should to be be purposeless. Now, we, we have a lot of people talk about purpose. You know, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? And, you know, for a guy who's always chased the end goal, when, meaning you and me, you know, it's like, hey, is the, is the goal of life to get to the last note of the music? Is it to dance the dance until the dance is over or just to dance the dance, right? And be present with what it is. Now, Alan Watts talks a lot about this philosopher that many people probably in my show know who he is. And the, and the point I ask to you is in this contextual shift, that we need to make to destroy the cultural conditioning and current beliefs. What is that? Because in essence, in our Western world, we've been socialized and conditioned to believe that we need to get to the end of the song, or we need to get to the end of the dance, but we can't just go out into the forest and kick the rock. We got a purpose. We got to get up to the top of the hill. Okay. So how, what are those beliefs in the conditionings that, through your rapid enlightenment process, you help people overcome. The rapid enlightenment process is four components. It's seeing the unconscious reflexes of what I call the drunk monkey in your mind. It is transcending the effects of the hidden motives to survive. It is a set of enlightened perspectives, and it's the skill of recontextualization, being able to take a situation and contextualize it inside of an enlightened framework. And what I found is that each of us are burdened by dogma. Beliefs that we think are 100% true, that have no proof, but were stated by some kind of an authority. And the dogma itself dramatically limits us. For example, we don't know where we came from. We don't know why we're here, and we don't know where we go or if we go anywhere or what happens after we're dead. Yet, every single person has staunch beliefs about what these things are, what it all means, and the beliefs themselves unexamined create limitation, suffering. They create frustration and anger. The most practical thing that a person can do is to admit that they don't know anything, that everything that they know is something that someone else told them or something that they observed. 
that their mind is not their friend. Their mind is a survival machine. The mind's job is, in essence, to assess what is going on in the environment and create a, a, a way of staying alive. To listen to the mind like it is a trusted advisor is insane. The mind doesn't care about you. It doesn't even like you most of the time. Nobody else calls you fat and stupid and ugly except for your mind. And if they did, they wouldn't be your friend. But we listen to the mind like it is our friend. Mm-hmm. So we have these – go ahead. I was, I was going to say we have now, cultural conditioning, but now, most of it is the mind re, you know, repeating it. Well, I think people – the difference is between the mind and consciousness, right? So um, you talked about awareness earlier, and you have in the book this – what I call periodic table. You've put these 10 hidden motives to survive. Um, and it goes right along with what we're just talking about. You tell the listeners what they are and, and how they transmute them because they're beautiful. I mean, they're, you know, in the essence, when you distill it down, if you look at the periodic chart that you created uh, table of things, those are the things we're attempting to transmute. Yeah, if we look, uh, if we look at the traditional, uh, if we look at traditional personal development, it does follow this idea of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We we look at that there is uh, essentially, you know, the the base state, right, which is the uh, physiological needs, food, water, warmth, and rest, and then we move up the pyramid. And then we are, our safety needs are met, safety and security. And then, then next is our belongingness and our loving needs. And then after we move up there, then we go into our esteem. And where we're going to find most of your listeners is in the realm of self-actualization. And this is achieving your full potential, including, you know, like creativity and what are you doing and who are you and where are you at in the, in the world. And for most of us, we think, oh, wow, that's the top of the pyramid. But actually, that's the top of the survival pyramid. And there is, a, there is an inverted pyramid on top of that. You've seen it in my book and in the, in the uh, um, graphics that we put in there. There's an inverted pyramid. So the drunk monkey lives in the pyramid below, moving all the way up to self-actualization. Then you implement the rapid enlightenment process and you move up into this inverted pyramid of quiet mind or enlightenment. The barrier to do this is the hidden motives to survive. And the hidden motives to survive are a set of 10 aspects of consciousness that over the last 20 years, I have been defining and discovering. And it really, it was with my my collaborator Lane, that we were like all of a sudden the breakthrough really happened. And we started to see that consciousness itself has these functions or, or for a human being, they're filters that force us into a survival perspective or framework, greed, grudge, hatred, victim, illogical rules, humble, traitor, pride, resistance, and lazy. Each of these 10 motives influence 
everything that we do in our lives until we transcend them. And the transcendence itself, like if, if you transcend greed, for example, suddenly you don't need anything. You aren't experiencing scarcity. When scarcity is gone, you are at peace. It doesn't mean that you are a, 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 a dumb person. It doesn't mean that you don't take action to fulfill your needs. It's that you are in a state of detachment, recognizing you're already in some kind of system to fulfill your needs. And there will be times in which many of your needs are fulfilled and times in which only part of your needs are fulfilled. But there's no need to have any negative experience because of that. We hold grudges. We play the victim. We're following a, a plethora of rules that don't exist, but they are encoded in us. Yeah, we're putting... We're putting energy on an experience based upon the our prior history most of the time. Um, and so the energy, you know, you, you can either give it positive, negative, or neutral energy. You're actually saying it's the experience. Just experience it as it is. And, and the hardest part is not to charge it one way or the other, how you're going to charge that experience. But... There is something that you touch on in the book, which I think is really important to the listeners, and that's the power of applied kinesiology, and that the words have power over our physiology. But can you speak to the listeners about the power that the words we speak to ourselves have over our physical, emotional, and mental self? Well, our listener, I think, intuitively knows that it's a, it is a best practice in life to do things that are strengthening to you, to do things that are empowering to you. And, it, and by the way, not everybody knows that. There are many, many people who actively seek being a victim. They actively seek holding grudges, and they, they believe that those things are a best practice. So I want to make sure that we clarify for, for you and I, for your listener – we just intuitively know if you do things that are strengthening, if you do things that, that bring you um, uh, empowerment, your life is going to improve. So, for example, our listener would not look in the mirror on a regular basis and say, I hate you. And, in fact, their mind says negative things to them, and our listener says, ugh, my mind, i got to get this thing under control. Our listener knows that if they looked in the mirror and said, I love you on a regular basis, it would be strengthening. It would actually create fortitude in some way. And they're seeking this state. Well, Dr. Hawkins came along and began to apply words to what is essentially muscle testing, determining, applied kinesiology, determining if a word, an idea, a phrase is strengthening or weakening. Now, in his work, he went all the way to the, to the conclusion that a strong muscle test, meaning if I said, <clears throat> if I say the words, I love you, and then we push on your arm, we'll see that your muscles are strong and I can't push your arm down. If I say, I hate you, and we push on your arm, we, we'll see that your arm can't maintain strength no matter what. Now, there are some caveats to that. You've got to be in a certain um, 
physiological state to make that work. But, you know, read my book. We'll talk a little bit about that. But here's what here's what the conclusion was. There are things that are strengthening to you and there are things that are weakening to you. And if you focus on things that are strengthening to you, your life dramatically improves. I'll give you one that blew my mind. I come from a, a Catholic background. And the first time that I applied this statement and then tested to see was it strengthening or weakening, my, my mind was blown. And that is that we have all lived multiple human lifetimes. Reincarnation. Now, Greg, my, my brain was like, what? You know, my brain was like, when you die, you, you know, then you're dead. Then you go to you go up to the pearly gates. You know, if you're good there, if you're bad there. Right. That was my brain was I was living inside of that framework. And that framework had a particular effect on my behavior, an effect like a child, an effect like I was too stupid to understand who I was, an effect like I was an ignorant boob who was born in a, in a, in a way that was um, degrading to myself. But when I began to relate to this idea that is unprovable, dogmatic, when I began to relate to this idea, like I've lived multiple human lifetimes, all of a sudden, a new empowerment began to occur. Not because it was true. Nobody knows if it's true. But it doesn't stop you from believing it. It doesn't stop you from sticking up for yourself and, and, and fighting for beliefs that you have no clue about. But the moment that I started believing it, a whole new world opened up. And that came from this idea of putting statements and, and dogma to the test to discover, is this dogma strengthening or is it weakening? Human beings choose to come to earth. That tests strong. It strengthens you to believe it. It doesn't mean that it's true, but it's strengthening to your system. It fortifies your system to relate to yourself like you chose to incarnate as a human being. What it means exactly, I don't know. Neither do you. But it's strengthening. Well, again, you've replaced a limiting belief, which is, hey, you die and go to the pearly gates, to one with uh, that reincarnation is possible, uh, even though you're not proving it. But you have the choice to believe that, right? Uh, People walk around with all kinds of beliefs. But those beliefs do become knowings. Um, after a while, when you can, um, I don't want to state it. Uh, I used an example in my book when we first, when Al Gore first started talking about global warming, no one believed him. And now that you have uh, seen what's been happening to our environment, we have a lot more believers today, but the beliefs shift. Uh, knowings are truths. And that brings me to this next question. You state that the drunk monkey, as you call it, has a grip on us and is really great at negative forecasting. I love that term. Um, What can our listeners do to lessen, reduce, eliminate the drunk monkey and his or her negative forecasting over us? Well, the drunk monkey is like a, a GPS, a global positioning satellite system. GPS, basically, you put in a destination, and then it navigates by giving you instructions. And the, the, the chatter in your head, the talking in your head is just like a GPS. I call it the drunk monkey. 
And the drunk monkey has one destination, and that is to survive. The only problem is you and I are not in survival situations. Neither is our listener, as far as we know. An actual survival situation would mean that you were in a state of threat and that your life was, was on the line. But for us, going in and doing a job interview is not a threat, yet we get a threat response. Asking a girl out on a date is not a threat, yet we get a threat response. We get uh, elevated heart rate. We get adrenaline. We get, our blood starts pumping faster. Our mind starts racing. And this is the drunk monkey essentially doing its job. Our, our goal with the rapid enlightenment process is to begin to recognize through awareness that this is happening and to rise above or transcend the effects of the drunk monkey and ultimately to remove its destination. When you begin to recognize that you don't matter and you, it doesn't matter that you don't matter, that your life in, is in, in essence purposeless, that you are here having an experience and that's it. When you begin to recognize that and, and operate from that context, suddenly the instructions that you're receiving from the drunk monkey don't make sense. The drunk monkey is fantastic at forecasting negative futures. That's his job. There was a, an amazing study done by some Harvard researchers where they had an iPhone app, and the iPhone app essentially asked people to register what they were doing and what they were thinking. And, and the shocker was not, was not what they were thinking. The shocker was that when they were doing nothing, when the mind was idle, it defaulted to the negative. And that's what their paper ultimately became about, is that when the mind is idle, it defaults to the negative. And and it's doing that on purpose. That's its job, to listen to the mind, the drunk monkey in your head, like it's on your side, like it wants to achieve your goals. To use your mind to try and achieve your goals is, is insane. Ultimately, you need to use your inspiration, your intuition, et cetera. Those, are, those things are beyond the mind. Yeah, your, your intuition is, is very strong. Your internal inspiration uh, and where it is derived from and accessing that is what helps you to reach your goals. Now, you have 23 practices designed to ensure that the processes discussed in the book stay in the top of one's mind. Well, call it mind consciousness. What are some of the 23? Well, actually, what are the top three for you that you would say are important? Um, when people pick up the book, they'll be able to get the other uh, 19 of these. How's that? Yeah, good. Well, I think probably the, the number one thing that I would love for people to practice is to remember that you're not a psychic, that the drunk monkey has developed a forecasting capability, but the forecasting that it does is, is purely an assumption. It's an assessment. It doesn't know the truth. Yet we operate like we know what the truth is going to be. I'm, I'm about to go with my wife to a party. My mind is forecasting and pretending like it knows what's going to happen at the party. And I'm playing out scenarios in my mind, trying to look good, defending myself, trying to 
fit in, et cetera, et cetera. I'm creating anxiety and stress and robbing myself of peace before I've even left the house. Your mind is not your friend. It's not a psychic. It doesn't have any idea what the future is going to be. And the moment that you're able to see that, you have a, you have a lessening of its grip. It starts to go quiet. Another one that I would highly recommend that people take on is to stop holding other people accountable to agreements that they didn't make. Greg, most of us live like how I see the world and how I was raised was the right way. And we, we may not say it out loud, but most people secretly believe that their perspective about life is the right perspective. And it's unbelievably empowering to recognize nobody signed up for your program. Nobody signed up. You're, we, we get together with our, with our lover, our spouse, our, our life partner, and we're attracted to what was different and interesting about them. That, that was very exciting for us. But then you blend your lives together. And when you blend your lives together, most people go on a secret mission to over time convert their partner to their way of living, which of course is the right way. So you have to let go of this idea that your way of living is the right way and acknowledge that everyone in the world thinks that their way is the right way. And you have to do, then go to the third practice, which I would recommend from my 23 daily practices, which is to practice total and complete acceptance of all people in all situations at all times, including yourself, which is a lifelong practice that will lead to unparalleled levels of peace. Because when you accept things, they transform. When you resist things, they persist, they stay in place. And we want our lives to improve but you can't, you can't achieve a thriving state by implementing a survival tactic. So we want the president to be more peaceful in his negotiations, and our tactic is to be mad that he's not more peaceful. But you can't achieve peace by being mad. No, it's contrary to what people, I would say, would be better off doing. Not that they're going to, um, but as you say, accept them for who they are, for what they're doing, because that resistance is creating uh, suffering inside of you. That suffering can only be relieved as a result of the compassion you have for yourself and others. So when it really comes down to if you're studying this material and how deep you want to get, it's a connection between your own suffering. One of the first noble truths in Buddhism is you're going to have suffering. One of the other is that suffering can end. The way that suffering ends is to have what Matthew is talking about, and that is acceptance, call it compassion, call it what you want for other people. Um, Matthew, you have written a book here, uh, which is certainly going to change people's lives if they read it, understand it, and apply uh, your rapid enlightenment process. Uh, and understand it. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, they're going to go to matthewferry.com and I'm going to tell them you connect with him on a private Facebook group. He's got the Daily Enlightenment podcast. 
is a quiet mind magazine. He's obviously in all the other places, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, where you can see videos of him. You can work with him at Ignite Mastermind and the Rapid Enlightenment Retreats. Um, so check him out there. And there's also a muscle testing school. So there is no reason that you can't reach him. There's a little uh, email uh, symbol in the corner of his website. Uh, beautifully done website. Great videos. Uh, great podcast. I was just looking at the Quiet Mind magazine. I think, are you guys in your third edition now or said second? So. I don't yeah, know where you're at. Actually we're, I think we're actually in our fourth edition of that magazine. Fourth edition. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I happen to see one of the older editions, but that's good. It's a PDF. You guys can just download it and read it. It's got lots of simple ideas and techniques in it. But so Matthew is available. I think that's the most important thing, Matthew, is that the listeners know that you're available for them, uh, that you can reach him. You can reach people in his organization and you can get this book. Uh, for six ninety five, that's just the shipping, and they're going to continue to do this. Uh, you're just going to continue it. It was ten thousand copies. Is it going to go beyond that? Well, at this point, we're trying to get to ten thousand copies, and then we'll then we can reassess from there. All right, that sounds really good. Well, Matthew, if there's any one last thing you'd like to leave our listeners with, um, what would you want to tell them? that might have some profound effect on their life today, right now, this minute, this second? I think I want to say this. There are no jerks in the world until you show up and label them. And the labeling that you do is not something that you're doing on purpose. You have a labeling machine in your head. When you can see that you have a labeling machine, and that the labels aren't reality, you can choose to rise above it. And when you do, you'll have the recognition that the source of life for you is the source of life for everyone and everything, and that we are all one thing expressing itself with infinite variety. And if that's the case, then nothing you're doing is important. And if nothing you're doing is important, then you get to choose what's important for you. Very, very powerful. You also get to choose what you want to do and the difference you can make. And thank you for making a difference in our listeners' lives this morning uh, by imparting your wisdom. Uh, the book is Quiet Mind, Epic Life. There'll be a link to Amazon to get the book. There'll also be a link to his website to get it for the six ninety five. Um, Matthew, pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for spending the time with my listeners. So glad I was here. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is brought to you by John Baldoni, the author of a new book entitled Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. Please listen to podcast number 726 where John and Greg speak about the importance of being in grace as a leader. John's acronym for grace is generosity, respect, action, compassion, and energy, which are all attributes that the leaders of today need to possess. It takes real courage to be a great leader. In John's new book, Grace is a roadmap for leaders to follow. Please listen to podcast number 726 with John Baldoni, 
the author of Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. You can also learn more about John and his book, Grace, by visiting www.johnbaldoni.com or the book website at www.gracethebook.com. Thanks for listening.